0: Welcome to the Craft of Coaching podcast, where you'll learn about how to become a life coach with a strong skill set through understanding the craft of coaching. I'm Kate Swoboda. As director of a life coach training and certification program called the Courageous Living Coach Certification, I'm passionate about the craft of coaching and how we evolve our skills and the industry. Learn more about the Courageous Living Coach Certification Program at teamclcc.com. That's t e a m c l c c.com. And here's today's episode. Hey there everybody. Welcome to another episode of The Craft of Coaching. I'm Kate Swoboda. Today I have the pleasure of talking with Lara Heacock of Kind Over Matter. Now, Lara's story is a really interesting and wonderful one to me. I first met her back in 2014 when she joined um, the Courageous Living Coach Certification. She became one of our graduates. She loved what we were up to in the program and wanted to continue with the community. She joined our leadership team. She ended up actually sort of ascending the ranks and becoming one of our top lead coaches. And she, during this entire time, has built her business while having a full-time salary job and running the website kindovermatter.com. And kindness is really at the heart of what Lara does in all of her coaching work, and really I'd say in all of her life. And I've also been really excited to hear that Lara has been branching out into executive coaching. For those of you who are considering getting into coaching and you're not sure whether or not you want to do anything entrepreneurial, I would really encourage you to consider whether or not you would be interested in coaching executives, not necessarily on topics related to, I don't know, being the best CEO that you can be, but on topics like communication or really being accountable or really stepping up into your life with integrity and leadership. Because any CEO who isn't doing that in their personal life isn't going to be able to do that very successfully in their professional life. So, Laura has been developing her business in the direction of executive coaching, which I think is just a really great uh, direction to go in, because if you can get hired by one company to be their sort of on-call executive coach, then whenever different issues arise within, within the company and someone needs personal coaching, you become the person that they're going to call. There are a lot of different ways that somebody can be a coach in this world. You do not have to just do the route of, you know, going online and getting a website set up. It's certainly a worthy route to take, but that's not the only route to take. And I really admire Lara for looking at alternative ways of honing her craft as a coach. So here we go. Lara Heacock of Kind Over Matter. And she's going to share with us, um, some great stuff on her craft of coaching. Here we go. So, um, let's let's settle in with the first question, which is walk us through a little bit about what it is that people are struggling with when they come to you. And when I've been asking people this question this season of craft of coaching, uh, you know it it doesn't have to just be one-on one clients. It could certainly be anybody that you've done executive coaching with, as I know you've done. Mm-hmm. it could be workshop um, participants or people that you've reached on teleseminars. but, really trying to root into as a starting point some of the common themes that people are saying that they're struggling with and, and that has them seek out the help of a coach such as yourself. Yeah,
1: definitely. So I would say if I had to pick one word, I think it would be conflict. Um, so when I've worked with companies and worked with their leaders, oftentimes the leaders are in conflict um, you know, sometimes with each other, sometimes there's some issues with a team. And when I work with people individually, one-on-one, there's some sort of conflict with themselves. Maybe their expectations are really high and they're not meeting their own personal expectations. They're just feeling, you know, super burned out, stressed out, can't keep up with things anymore. Um, but, you know, it's funny, as you were asking that question, I've never actually used this word before, but really it's it's some sort of conflict, whether it's with another in a corporate setting or whether it's with yourself in an individual setting.
0: Mm, That's really interesting. And when I think of conflict, I think of, of tension. I think of like Mm -hmm. a a rope that's being pulled into completely opposite directions. And, um, you know, often that's like the, the tension between what we really want to do and what we feel like we have to do, or the tension between, I would imagine at the executive level, um, one person's vision and another person's vision, stuff like that?
1: Yeah, definitely. You know, one person's way of leading versus another person's way of leading. One person's, you know, desire for how something will run operationally versus another person's desire. You know, one-on-one, it's more, you know, it really like you said, you know, I feel like I should be doing this list of seven hundred and forty two things and I can only accomplish seven hundred and forty one and I don't know what to do about it. So mm-hmm. you know, there's a, that natural pulling and and sort of just conflict that arises when when those situations come up.
0: Okay. So I can ask this question somewhat in jest, I think, because I know <laughs> how you coach, but like the, you know, the kind of jesting question that I want to ask is like, okay, Lara, so how do you remove the conflict forever by having them, you know, make a plan and then execute the plan, which, (laughs) (laughs) so instead um... of of asking the question (laughs) that way, I'll go, I'll go to So what do we do when we've got someone who is in conflict in their life or when you are going into an executive coaching situation, there's conflict within an organization? Like, what is the entry point?
1: So the entry point, and I am extremely transparent with people. I tell them this in, you know, the first consultation before, you know, I'm hired, before there's any contract signed. The very first thing I tell them is, this is not a quick fix and, What we do here is we learn how to manage this. We don't learn how to overcome it. So using a personal situation, you know, the the joking example I use, like, you know, I have 742 things on my list and I can only fit 741 in the day. And, you know, then whatever, you know, insert self-criticism that comes in after the fact. And, you know, what I really try and emphasize to people is that voice might always be there. That conflict might always be there. That feeling might always be there. But what we're going to do is we're going to help to take it out of the driver's seat. So it might Mm -hmm. be a passenger some days. It might be in the back seat other days. Some days it might be in the trunk, and you might almost forget it's there. And then some days it's going to come back, and it's going to try and push you over, and it's going to try and steer for you. We're going to learn how to work with it in all of those different ways because the fact is it just doesn't go away, and that's okay. And I don't want anyone to have any unrealistic expectations. We're going to learn how to work with it instead of thinking that we're going to abolish it with a five-step plan.
0: I love that. I love that metaphor too. And um in the people I've been interviewing for this season, um I've noticed how often metaphor has come up in order to help a client or a group of people see that this big thing that feels like the hardest thing in the world to try to find your way to the other side of actually is okay. Like everybody's yeah. okay. We're going to be okay, you know? Mhm. 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 Yeah. Um and so Okay, so so the entry point, and I love there's that transparency, and the entry point also involves um, sort of naming the place of how things are going to change when the conflict is not the dominant thing on the scene. And that's a part of client education, and that's great. Um, what are some, some things you you specifically do from a craft perspective with people or organizations to try to get them to break up their old ways of doing things. Cause habits are hard to break, especially ways of being. And mm-hmm. I would imagine at the executive level there's this added tension of not wanting to like lose face in front of your peers that must be very difficult. Um Yeah. So Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. No, <laughs> oh, go ahead. I'm I'm totally ready. I've set up the question. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so I'll speak to to sort of the corporate, you know, executive leadership level, because I think that's probably, you know, a little bit different than maybe what, you know, a lot of folks are familiar with. And so the very first thing that I do is, you know, say, for example, two leaders that are in conflict. The first thing that I do is divide and conquer. So I separate them. I talk to them both individually, and I really try and I get to the point where we're really keeping it real. So first step is let's get to the heart of it. Let's get real. Let's figure out what's going on. Let me hear your side. I let them both know, you know, I'm not here to take sides. I'm not here to be won over. I'm not here to tell anyone that they're right and anyone that they're wrong. I'm here to listen. I'm here to facilitate. I'm here to provide an alternate perspective that perhaps you haven't been exposed to. So first step is really just getting to know the heart of what they think is at the source of the conflict. And with two people, you'll get about 27 different things that are at the source of the conflict. And then after a little bit of time, Sort of getting to the heart of it with them, doing a little bit of, you know, shifting of how they're thinking about things, some, some coaching around a different way to approach things. Like some really tactical things come into this where, you know, okay, when you walk into his office and he doesn't look up from his computer, you need to say this. And, you know, when you're busy and she walks into your office and you don't want to look up from your computer, you need to do this. So really tactical of like this is how we need to approach things differently. Then I bring them together. And then we mm. put it all out on the table. It's very transparent. It's very much of, you know, this is what A feels is at the heart of it. This is what B feels is at the heart of it. Ironically, most of the times it comes down to the exact same thing. Once you get past the initial 27 stories, it always comes down to one thing. Um, trust is usually one of the big things at the heart of that. Sometimes it's been violated. So then we start talking about how You know, uh, there's a lot of components to trust. We can't rebuild it right away, but really the pivotal point comes when they're finally in the room together. And usually they start by not looking at each other. And then generally by the end of that first point, there's at least, you know, appropriate eye contact during communication. They're not talking about each other in the third person when they're both in the room. So it's really (laughs) coming together. Oh, yeah. No, not even kidding. Can't make it up. (laughs) Um, You know, so that's sort of the evolution of it. And then it's, you know, individual work and then, you know, more of that. It's sort of a a process of coming apart and coming together, coming apart, coming together, doing the internal work, then looking externally, doing some more internal work, then applying it externally and really walking that line.
0: Well, when you were talking, I mean, you just outlined from an executive coaching model working with two people in the workplace. But a lot of what you just described would actually apply to an individual coaching session as well, because in an individual coaching session, it's like if one person is struggling with something they fear to do you know, you're going to try to dialogue and get, well, what's fear's side of things? Why is fear, you know, throwing up so many barriers to you going after this thing that you want? Or what's the role of sadness? Or what's the role of excitement? What gets you excited? What's the role of vision? What's your vision? So there are all these parts that are kind of happening, even within one individual, that all need to be heard. And everybody all the parts need to sort of know, hey, change is coming. Here's what we're going to be doing as change is coming. Vision is going to start leading the way, and fear. I'm going to need you to say what it is that you you have an issue with, but you need to understand that vision is the one leading. Or, I mean, I mean that's kind of the comparison that I immediately draw.
1: Mm-hmm. No, I, I completely agree, and it's interesting. You know, sort of taking that to a multiple-person setting, but it's all—you know—it is all very, very similar. You know, it's a lot of talking about, you know, okay, well, you know, what is said versus how it's heard, and we have that internal dialogue within ourselves. You know, I, my husband may say something to me that to him is meaningless, but I hear it as, you know, a mountain instead of a molehill. It's the same within two pe- or between two people as within ourselves.
0: Mhm. Mhm. Definitely. Um, and so, uh, you know, I was just thinking too, like of all the exercises or practices or things that you love to offer to clients, what's a one that stands out for you as being a particular favorite?
1: My favorite and probably the first thing I have people do is learn how to pause. Um, whether it's pause before taking an action, whether it's pause before speaking, whether it's pause before making a decision, that's my very favorite, usually first thing to teach people. So if you are struggling with, you know, overcommitting committing and saying yes to everything, and you're just completely overwhelmed, and you have no idea how to start saying no to things, the very first thing I teach people to do is to just not give any answer, to just go with the, hey, thanks for the invitation, I'll get back to you tomorrow, to build in that space, where you can be out of the anxiety of the moment and then make a thoughtful decision. Because in the moment, the fear, the pattern, the habit wants you to just say yes, 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 yes. But if you've committed to changing that habit and you really want to know how to take the first step, the first step is just inserting some space and giving yourself that freedom and that new way of doing things that opens up the possibility of making that harder
0: decision. Mm -hmm. It's amazing how the simplest practices for clients can really make the biggest difference.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, literally, the simplest—you know—that simple idea of just not giving any answer in the moment is, you know, it, it can literally be life-changing. I mean, it can literally take someone from being overwhelmed and stressed out, and and fighting with everybody around them, to having a more balanced schedule and you know a more harmonious feeling because. They didn't have to do the big, scary thing. I'm a big believer in in baby steps, I don't believe. I call it light switch change, that off-and-on stuff that you know sells really big out in the marketplace. I don't believe in that because um, I really want sustainable change for my clients, and I feel like the thought, no, is a complete sentence is valid, and it's also extremely intimidating if you are a middle-aged person who's been a people-pleaser their whole life. So let's start small. And let's work up to the place where you can just learn to say no. But I want you to be able to get there without fear getting so big that you just run away from it and stop all the work.
0: I love that uh, because I know that one of the critiques of coaching is that, well, like, uh, come on, it's just common sense pausing before you you know, make a decision, like, you don't need a coach, you know, you just need some common sense, you know, I've heard people who are skeptical of the coaching industry say things like that. And it's, mm-hmm. it's like, you've just made a great point, which is, well, it might be common sense for someone for whom that's easy to do, but for somebody who has literally spent decades of their life, um, and particularly in a work environment where you are often mm-hmm. expected to be a yes for the team. Mm-hmm. That moment of stopping and, and pausing and saying, I'm going to get back to you on that, especially if you've been the person who's always been the one handling things for everybody else. And, and that's part of what's fed the pattern of getting overwhelmed, getting burned out at work. I mean, this is difficult stuff to turn around. Mm-hmm. It's not as simple as, as you say it, I love it, a light switch moment.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And to tell someone like that, that they have to immediately start saying no to their boss or, you know, (laughs) they're uncoachable or they're never going to, you know, whatever that yeah, it's, it like, to me, it's, it's a huge disservice. I mean, it's just, it's awful. Like it kills me. It breaks my heart that people are, you know, they think they can never change because they think that's the only option. I'm like, no, 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 come, come this way. It's fine. We can, we can work with this. I promise
0: yeah part of the work is actually getting at all the stories that keep someone, the internalized narratives that keep someone from taking the steps that are quote unquote, common sense. and um and that's something that I think that at least whenever I've been in the client role with a coach, having someone who can reflect back to me, here are the stories that I hear that have you stuck. and um, you know, getting to hear it outside of myself and then even consider an alternative interpretation is enormously powerful.
1: Yeah, and I also really build in, um, you know, the freedom to fail. And and when mm-hmm. we don't do that, you know, when, when a client comes back and says like, oh, I said yes to everything this week, I didn't remember to pause and I didn't do it. You know, my response is always, that's okay. You know, mm-hmm. it's absolutely okay. Because if we spend, you know, in our dissecting how that's terrible, it's just going to add something more to the pile of things that we're trying to dismantle. So natural change involves a couple steps forward and often some steps backwards. And that's just part of the process. And to make that acceptable and to build in that, you know, that self kindness and that permission to fail is a huge part of the way to actually get to long term success.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, I love that you mentioned kindness too, because you run the website Kind Over Matter, and um, really building in self-kindness as a predominant thing to come back to, a guiding thing to come back to, has been at the heart of the work that you do.
1: Yeah, it's kind of my jam.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm t-
1: I'm all about it, and you know, it, it takes many forms. You know, sometimes self-kindness looks like setting a boundary and sometimes self-kindness looks like exactly what I just said. And it's letting yourself off the hook when you made the wrong choice, even though you knew exactly what the right choice was. And, you know, to, instead of going into the old pattern of beating yourself up for making that wrong choice, to look at it from, okay, this is a bump in the road. I know I want to make the right choice and I'm going to try again next time. Like to make that little bit of shift for how you engage with yourself and, you know, and in my next venture is taking this, you know, more into the corporate world and in workshop seminar format um, to bring kindness back into business. It's just, it's such a powerful shift. You know, the way we treat ourselves mirrors the way we treat each other um, and, and shifting one
0: always impacts the other. Well, and the corporate world is so in need of kindness, especially for oh the people who work in the corporate world. Cause it's, yeah. Well, thank you so, so much for for stopping by the Craft of Coaching podcast and sharing a bit about what you do. Um, Now, I want to make sure I get this right, that we can find you in two places. We can find you at Kind Over Matter, but then your corporate coaching work is also coming out under laraheacock.com. All right. Well, thank you again so much for being here today. Everybody go check out Lara over at kindovermatter.com. All right, that's a wrap for today's episode. Thank you so much for listening. If you have a moment to give us a rating in iTunes or wherever you're listening to this podcast, ah, so helpful because that helps other people to learn about this podcast and also listen in. You might also wanna become a subscriber so that you always get the latest episodes. If you head over to the Courageous Living Coach Certification website at teamclcc.com, that's T-E-A-M-C-L-C-C.com, and sign up to be a subscriber, not only will you get the first information about whenever we open up enrollment, you will also get access to a number of bonuses, like our Become a Coach video series, invitations to webinars on the craft of coaching, and so much more so I hope that I see you over there. Once again, thanks so much for listening, and I hope that you have a wonderful rest of your day.